Today, I welcome Reverend Scotty Smith to the podcast. Uh, Scotty, welcome. Good to be here, John. I, I kind of stumbled for a minute. I guess I am a reverend. I just don't get reverend <laughs> a lot. I get, hey, you, hey, <laughs> hey, come, come fill my coffee up or whatever. But no, it's great to be here so much. Well, see, I'm sorry to throw you off with the reverend title uh, there. But um, Scotty, it's good to good to be able to connect with you. Good to see you. Scotty has become a dear friend of RYM in the past couple of years. Uh, he has spoken at both of our youth leader training conferences, the one up in Paradise, Pennsylvania. And we discovered there you were uh, Duffy's groomsman, I believe, and he was yours. Yes, vice versa. We were each other's weddings, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so we were up there and then as well as the one in Nashville. And then you spent some behind the scenes time with the staff. So we've appreciated getting to to know you. For those who do not know, Scotty is the founding pastor of Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. And and Scotty, how many years total were you at Christ Community Church? Well, we've been in Nashville altogether, a little over 40, but I planted with friends Christ Community in 1986 and was a senior pastor for 26 years. Okay. And now serving at uh, West End Community yes. Church as the yeah, la- teacher in residence? Years, teacher in residence there on the staff at West End, which is a daughter church of Christ Community, which we planted 20 years ago. All right. And if that wasn't enough, to also adjunct professor at five different seminaries. Um, and yeah. Then, you blog daily on Heavenward, which is featured on the Gospel Coalition blog. Right. And and that is daily, right? Is that seven days it a week? Is, or is yeah. it seven days a week, absolutely. Okay. And then author of numerous books. Uh, maybe the most recent is Every Season Prayers, I believe. I don't know if that's yeah, the most I've got recent. Th- I've got, got three coming out this year, two studies for New Growth Press on Ephesians and Revelation, and then also a book I have written with a pastor I've been mentoring in uh, Marietta, Georgia, Russ Masterson. It's just kind of like a father-son journey in the gospel for an older and younger pastor. Great. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to those uh, coming out. Uh, Scotty, before we get into our discussion on ministry relationships, that's kind of the, the theme of this season five. I, I feel like I've just got to ask you about the coronavirus. Um, I know we yeah. get we get a little sick of talking about the coronavirus uh, a little bit, but just kind of asking you, what has the Lord been teaching you during this very bizarre season of, of life and ministry? Well, one of the benefits of getting older, John, and I turned 70 on February 1st, is that this isn't my first uh, international crisis. I mean, (laughs) having lived through 9-11, in fact, my wife, God bless her, turned 50 on the 9-11, so happy birthday, Darlene. But, you know, having been through a few kind of, we would say, culture-shaping situations, none of them to be equated with this pandemic, but I would say right now what is uh, encouraging is that like where we live, I'm watching the body of Christ in the greater Nashville area pulled together. Um, It's fascinating, John, to see that many churches are saying, oh my goodness, we're having more people joining us for worship now than we did before we had a pandemic. So (laughs) there's kind of this providence of we're all going to binge on something. Why not tune into some things eternal? How, How about technology that often robs us actually serving us this time? So at one level, I'm Thankful to see people uh, tasting mortality. I'm thankful to see the church responding in creative ways 
to cooperate, pull for each other. And lastly, of course, living in Nashville just before this pandemic really ramped up, we had a tornado come through our mm-hmm. city. So we've, we're watching, you know, our city and a lot of people come together to serve one another. Yeah, I think we were actually in uh, YLT up in Paradise, Pennsylvania when that tornado hit and we were texting some friends back down that way. So and I was remarking to to Joe Deegan, you know, um, (laughs) who works with me just the other day of thinking of, wow, okay, y'all went through this tornado recently and then coronavirus right on the hills of that. Uh, So, yeah, y'all's community has definitely been through it. Well, Scotty, look, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss more focused on ministry relationships. Great. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. uh, Before we get to the rest of my episode with Scotty Smith, I wanted to let you know that we have started a COVID resource page on our website. If you go to rym.org and check out our resource tab, you'll see it at the very top there. And it has a lot of lists of uh, helpful resources, both at our side and other sites that we've come across that have been helpful. These are for parents, for youth workers, for students. Um, I also wanted to let you know that we are about to have our uh, sixth uh, study that will be available for free download. It's Eschatology 101 and it's written by Bennett Rogers. Uh, So that should be available in the next couple of weeks, but you can check out all of our studies that we have up there, uh, 12-week studies that are free uh, download. So those could be used in a variety of settings. So we hope that's helpful. We'll continue to update that page. So be sure to check back. Uh, Here's the rest of my interview with Scotty. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, everybody, we're back talking to Reverend Scotty Smith. I had to throw that in again, Scotty. Uh, (laughs) As I said, you've authored numerous books and there's several of those are are focused on on prayer. And so in, in some circles, you've kind of become known as the prayer expert, which I know you would not classify yourself as that. But sure. but through your years of writing about prayer, teaching mm-hmm. about prayer, and actually praying, give us some of your perspective on prayer. What What is prayer, and what has the Lord taught you through all these years of, of praying? Well, uh, always start with the person that modeled for me and mentored me in a life of prayer, which is Jack Miller. Uh, more folk might know his son, Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life, but Jack, who was a professor of mine at Westminster Seminary, who went on to become a spiritual father for the last 21 years of his life, you know, Jack just really introduced me to uh, a, a new way of praying, principally beginning with seeing prayer as, first and foremost, fellowshipping with our Father. I mean, uh, Jack had a radical renewal in the gospel and came alive not just to the lyric of the gospel, but it's music. And I really watched a man fall in love with prayer, not so much as a way of getting something done, but really enjoying the God of our salvation. So I would say to start with, um, so love to give a gospel shout out all the time to Jack Miller, who's been, who's been in heaven since 1996. Mm-hmm. But, but Jack showed me that, you know, prayer is fellowshipping with our father. It is uh, a life of, uh, returning to gospel sanity on a daily basis, uh, you know, s- s- anything really ultimately of worth to anybody I have shared about prayer, I learned by watching, praying with, and learning from Jack Miller. Hmm. Well, and, you know, as you said that, I think that's a great, um, not only, as you said, giving a shout out to Jack, but but kind of framing that as 
uh, him teaching you that it's fellowshipping mm-hmm. with with the Father. It, it's not this mm-hmm. kind of checklist thing to do. Okay, right. I need to mark this off the list just so God will you know stay happy with me and I can feel better yeah. about myself. Um, but yeah. without a doubt, you know, as I've heard many say, okay, anytime you bring up your devotional life, uh, your prayer life, your your scripture reading, uh, people quickly get discouraged. And so yeah, may, maybe yeah. just some advice for those out there who are thinking, okay, this season of my life, right now it doesn't feel like I'm fellowshipping with the Father. It just kind of seems yeah. more of like the checklist thing. What's some advice you would give or some yeah. encouragement to those? Well, the, the larger RYM family, I'm so glad I can start with this affirmation that we, we are shaped as a community of RYM by a, a high view of the gospel, you know, a high commitment to safeguard the integrity of the riches of the gospel. And I would say that maybe the best way to think about getting over either the fear, the guilt, or the shame of sucking at our prayer life is to realize, first of all, that this, this gospel presupposes we're broken. We're worse off than we think we are. And I think that's one of the things that Jack taught his sons and daughters. He mentored that really, let's just start praying the scripture back to the Lord. Let's slow down so that we marinate and meditate. In fact, I guess it was Jack that first introduced me to the way of thinking about adding a fourth step in the normal way that we approach even the study of the Bible. I mean, um, many of us who grew up as baby boomer Christians in the Jesus movement, we were taught observation, interpretation, application, reading through the Bible. But, but Jack kind of slowed that down a little bit and said, instead of just observing what the text says and interpreting it appropriately and running on to an application, let's let's read it. Let's make sure we see what is being said. Let's interpret it. But then let's before application, let's go to implication. And I think what Jack was highlighting was the life of meditation, the life of preaching the gospel to our heart. Uh, John, even for you and I started this conversation today, we were both remarking that this pandemic has slowed us down. Mm -hmm. Suddenly our schedules look a lot different. And I think that feeds into this very notion of, can I, will I realize that our our father, my father, wants to fellowship with me more than I want to fellowship with him? And mm. and again, our Reformed faith says that. We know that. We defend that. And yet, how will we slow down enough to hear our father affirming our sonship, rejoicing in us, delighting in us, singing over us? So it's, mm. it's some of it has to do with just really slowing down uh, to believe, to get into our hearts what we defend with our heads. Mm. Now that's that's so good. Our Father wanting to fellowship with us more than we do yes. with Him. And I mean, as you said, the word slow down, I just kind of marked that down on a, a little notepad here and, and underlined because, I mean, so much of, uh, I mean, this, this pandemic we're, we're dealing with, it has forced mm-hmm. us to slow down. But what's interesting is, you know, speaking of my, my own heart, is I, I've— found ways to be busy and found ways to, to scurry even even when I'm I'm at home and so you know oh, yeah. being convicted by that but in a good way to say okay using this time to have some of this extra time to slow down and to as you said meditate marinate on who who got is so that, that's, well, hey, that's let, me great. Give, let me give you another example of that you know a lot of us would say I'm not sure if this is where you live or not John but like um Darlene and I living in um 
Franklin, Tennessee, you know, so we're, the weather's been pretty nice. So we've all been out more for walks and all of a sudden, Oh, you live next door across the street. You know, we're, we're sl- people aren't in their normal cycles of being soccer mom and busy, crazy driven dad. But we're walking and we're saying hello and we're keeping six feet apart. <laughs> but there's something about I have time now to notice. I have time now. I walk by the same people on my walks. And how much more so should that be with God, the Trinity, mm-hmm. to realize that we have a father, son and spirit that according to their own word to us, enjoy us, delight in us, want us, have accepted us, and and to slow down up and say, oh, yeah, it's the Father. <laughs> it's the Father that's speaking to my heart louder, if I will listen, than my shame, my pride, my guilt, my brokenness, etc. So it's, you know, learning to live at the pace of grace. I don't want that to sound cliche, but... Um, Jesus makes it real clear out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. So to fill our hearts more with fellowship with the Father. During this pandemic, let's not waste, John, let's not waste a perfectly good pandemic on busyness. Mm, Amen to that. Now, that's definitely good advice to be intentional during this, you know, difficult providence. But at the same time, what what the Lord can can work and do through that. Um, look, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, I had your friend Joe Novenson on the podcast, and we were actually reflecting on his sabbaticals and, and what the Lord had taught him through that. And I uh, was thinking through just kind of some of the Sabbath rhythms and not just, yeah. you know, a specific sabbatical, but what have been some of those rhythms and those Sabbath mm-hmm. practices that have been life giving, you know, in your personal life and your ministry? Yes. Well, um, I became more Sabbatarian in the best sense of the word through my burnout. I mean, Mm. if you stay in ministry long enough, I believe you're going to have the potential to be an accident waiting to happen, a train wreck or something, because, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many aspects of a life of ministry that enable us to deceive ourselves. You know, Mm. this busyness, it's all for God. You know, we're just really being poured out like a sacrifice when truth is, you know, um, Living a called life is so different from living a driven life. And I think Joe's a perfect example of someone through weakness, through brokenness. uh, He learned early on the importance of meditating and pondering. For me, like I said, through a burnout is when, really through burnouts, when I really began to realize I am so dry, so broken. And that really is when I began to get up earlier, write these prayers for my own benefit long before there's a notion that I would ever be, you know, blogging daily was the notion that my heart is dry. I'm tired of double dipping, simply preparing my sermons and teaching is a way of thinking that's going to really be my connection with the Father as well. But um, for, for me, Sabbath became far more of not just one day in seven, but a little bit of each day, again, the language that I'm comfortable with, preaching the gospel to my heart, knowing that I tend to live more out of my head from my heart. So how can I establish some patterns where where the disciplines of spiritual formation become more a means of grace? And that's where, for me, uh, a daily time, uh, not dutiful, but more of something I need to have to feed on a living Christ for my heart. So again, you just heard me say it was out of burnout, the idolatry of ministry, 
that I began to live at a far more healthy pace. Hmm. That, that's good. And, you know, as I hear you talking and sharing that, and I know you've shared about your burnout before at youth leader training and, and uh, other places I've heard you share some of that. Um, it's interesting to hear you say, as we're talking about rest and rest for the soul, you, you say getting up early, <laughs> you say, mm-hmm. you know, disciplines as a mm-hmm. means of grace. So maybe, uh, you know, I know in, in Christian circles that can all make sense, but maybe reconcile, okay, how can disciplines yes. be this gracious thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, I, I, I'm thankful for the fact that as a, young Christian in 1968 that I was introduced to what we typically call the means of grace, um, Bible, prayer, fellowship, you know, meditation, a lot of classic spiritual disciplines. But I got, I got the language, I got the forms of those before I got the gospel that empowered them. And so I think for me, what was critical in my journey with Jesus was to come to far more clearly understand the content of this gospel and, and back to this notion of implications to learn to to ponder to view to consider which is really at the heartbeat of you mentioned joe novenson that's the joe novenson i know here's a man who sees the beauty of jesus because he takes time to see the beauty of jesus mm-hmm. so if, if we literally can begin to say to ourselves and maybe even make this a, a part of our prayer life Father, help me to take these common classical disciplines, but fill them full of yourself. Lord, teach me in the way of grace. I want to, I want to see you take good things. Rescue me always from my self-righteousness and my performanceism, but fill these common practices with what you always said they were about, which is to know you, to love you, to come alive to your joy and your sovereignty. And uh, again, so it's not that I do different things. It's that I do the same things much differently because I'm, you know, I hopefully I'm becoming more like Jack Miller. The older I get, the more childlike I'm becoming in light of this really is good news. And, and I don't let myself, John linger as long simply in the form devoid of the reality. I, I hope that makes sense. In other words, it's just a, it's 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 not the good news is it's really simple. The challenging news is it does take heart engagement mm. and not just a new routine. No, I, th- I think it does make complete sense. And and I love how you said, you know, just taking those disciplines. But you're you're asking, you know, help me to see you more, Jesus, as I as I engage in these disciplines. And you know, to me, I think that's a, a prayer that. God loves to, to answer when we're asking yeah. him, you know, help me not just make this formulaic, help me to actually fellowship with you. I think he loves that. Well, let me give let me think of it like this. You like to fly fish, don't you, a little bit? Are you a fisherman at all, Sean? I actually, I've never done it before in my life, but it looks awesome, and I'd love to one day. Well, I was going to say the illustration will work whether or not you've ever been in a stream and, and a pair of waders or with a rod, but, you know, the game of golf, uh, fly fishing, you know, there are several sports that can either be completely frustrating and pride fueling and guilt inducing, <laughs> or they can become, Oh my goodness, this is good. And see fly fishing. You look at a movie, like it's a river runs through it. Mm-hmm. And you think, Oh, I want to cast a broad like Brad Pitt. Well, what you have to learn is it, it's not so much effort. It's rhythm. It's like a good golf swing. If you try to hit a golf ball as hard as you can, thinking you're the next Tiger Woods, <laughs> you're going to be miserable. Let the golf club do the work. And I think the same way spiritual disciplines 
for us to learn the rest of the Lord. You know, Sabbath rest is the gospel before it's a day we learn to keep differently. And if we really can, uh, by God's spirit, come to more fully enjoy that this gospel is not just true, it is beautiful and it is good. Uh, and to linger there and let the gospel itself do the heavy lifting of the disciplines that we are wanting to utilize. It's, it's not that every time we have a quiet time or read the Bible, fireworks go off, but you know, it makes all the difference in the world to really to believe my father's pursuing me in the word. Hmm. The spirit really wants me to fellowship with him as I pray. Jesus really is more look, looking forward to his second coming than I am because he's coming for me. Hmm. And that's not private. It's precious. It's not privatized. It's, it's a, it's a, personalization of the gospel that Paul shows us, like in when he writes in Galatians 2.20, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's, that's not privatizing the gospel. It's saying, Lord, I, I want to linger more in that. And John, I wish I had um, been there sooner, earlier as a young believer. I'm, gl I'm glad that it was at age 50, not 70, that I began <laughs> to think more in those terms, but certainly for you know, all the RYM family, all the youth pastors, all those that we are privileged to walk with, you know, it's my heartbeat with you guys on the staff of RYM to introduce this kind of grace gospel culture earlier in the life of leaders and servants than later. Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for being a voice for that and for taking the time to pass that on. Uh, so that mm -hmm. by God's Gladly. grace, we we yeah we can embrace that sooner. Um, well, Scotty, look, shifting gears a little bit, as I said, sure. season five is, is focused on ministry and relationships. And we've mm -hmm. been asking some of these similar questions of those who've, who've come on this season. And again, Joe Novenson, your friend, was uh, answering some of these. And so uh, just getting us to think a little bit about youth workers dealing with senior pastors. Um, what's some advice that you would give to youth workers specifically dealing with you know, their interaction with senior pastors. And really, it, it doesn't have to just be senior pastors. It can be, sure. you know, broadly more pastoral staff. But what, what are some thoughts there? Well, I, I have a lot of those thoughts because I was a youth director, youth pastor 10 years before mm -hmm. I moved into becoming church planner. So, uh, in fact, one of my favorite memories I'll use by way of confession, but also uh, sweetness of the gospel. Remember when I was... Uh, youth pastor at First Pres Winston-Salem, uh, we just had a seminary, and I can remember back as a youth pastor how a lot of my self-righteousness, about how I judged the senior pastor a lot, how I graded, how, you know, I had this internal stuff, which you sometimes get coming out of seminary and being the youth guy, and fortunately, later, when I moved to Nashville, I was convicted to go back to the senior pastor I worked with and just ask his forgiveness mm -hmm. for being such a you know, such a rear end in many ways. Sometimes we youth leaders, we think if the church really would listen to us in the student ministry, we could really bring revival. So all that to say, I, I, lo I love to challenge youth pastors to be um, those that are always moving towards their senior pastor in particular to say, how can I pray for you? How, how, how tell me more about what it means to sit in that chair. I'm sure I have no clue even though my office may be three doors down or one building over. Can, can you tell me your pressures, your stress, and how I can pray for you? So number one, I think it's great when uh, we are on a youth staff in the context of a local church 
not to see the senior pastor, the elders of the session as our enemy or our, our throttle or our, you know, our leash givers, but how can we serve? So, you know, taking that profile of I want in our student ministry to support, you know, what, what you, how you pray for our church family. Now, that doesn't always work out that easily, but I'm, I'm talking about the direction of a heart. So number one, uh, when youth pastors will take that posture more than some of the dynamics of conflicts just don't, they're not as bad. You know, if we, if we sow grace, we're going to reap grace. I think that's one thing. I think um, that, I mean, that's really key. I think, uh, and, and yeah, so to move toward the senior pastor, it's not, it's not kissing up, it's gospeling up. It, it's really saying, I want to know how you pray for our church. In fact, I, I would love to have some regular way of, if it's once a week, even having 10 minutes just to pray, for us to pray together. You know, mm-hmm. let's build a prayer bridge between what senior pastor uh, is thinking and praying, what you're doing. So that's always key. I think, uh, uh, you know, what would be other ways? You know, it's never just a senior pastor, but the more youth pastors can serve on staffs as the people who are on time for meetings, <laughs> who, who actually, uh, you know, shock everybody by being the servants in the room, not because they're a low man on the totem pole, but because they're saying, you know, uh, I am among you as one who serves. <laughs> and, and sometimes when youth pastors can have that, um, we really enjoy that with our youth pastor at West End, Bobby Freeman, who I think you've met before. He's done RUM stuff, but it's just it's just something really neat when you see uh, a youth pastor, youth director, youth leader, whatever the title might be, being uh, proactively engaged with the staff, being on time, uh, showing gospel manners. Uh, is I think it's a part of what even happens when the scriptures talk about, and an infant will lead them, you know, it's, it's an awesome thing, John, you and I would agree when a student ministry can be pay setters in the gospel, not by sheer numbers or volume, but by offering in the students catching a vision. We, we are, we, you know, we're called into a relationship of, of servant love because our savior is our chief servant. And, uh, so that that's you know, and at that point, that's where the youth pastor is probably the most responsible person hmm. to build the culture that student ministry. How how do we even help our students think about what kind of presence do we want to offer our whole church family? You know, mm-hmm. we're we're not just we're not just complaining about what we don't have very cool youth space or we wish we had more money in our budget. You know, we want to be a people of understanding, but we want to serve, and that. The, at that point, the youth leader, pastor, et cetera, can be the pace, the gospel pace setter. Mm-hmm. And that's so good. And I, I appreciated you even starting back, just how you you know asked for forgiveness from your senior pastor years ago. Absolutely. And and, and not trying to heap guilt into <laughs> on you, but digging into that maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, thinking of what some of those patterns were, kind of early yeah. on, and uh, some of as you said the the arrogance that was there, and then you know, that that's fairly common, I would say, of so many that are young in ministry, but then also, yeah. you know, still in, in seminary. Uh, maybe talk about some of those patterns that you yeah. saw and how that could oh, be helpful. Easily, easily. Yeah. Cause when I went back to that senior pastor, I mean, I had, I had a kind of a list and I, I was aware of the fact that 
sometimes as youth pastor sitting in the larger corporate worship, I was thinking how boring this is or what an <laughs> irrelevant sermon. So rather than praying for my pastor as he preached, I judged him more. So mm-hmm. just be aware of, I think, uh, as youth pastors, uh, what we don't know uh, or even how people have different um, sets of ears and hearts. And, and, and so, yeah, so even that one practice, I wish I had prayed more during the worship service rather than wishing we just had a kicking praise band up there as, as opposed to, you know, this, this choir or this, uh, this, you know, soprano singing the offertory that bored me to death. So, you know, it's just the attitude of, yeah, yeah. Can I, as youth pastor know that I want to be known more about my prayer, my attitude, the spirit of the gospel, as opposed to a judge. So, I mean, our mm-hmm. default mode of more youth ministers is complaining and whining and judging. Uh, let's just, the gospel challenges that gospel mm-hmm. turns that on in. I think, uh, so, pr- uh, uh, being careful about how we think if if the if the youth could simply reconstitute the worship service, how awesome it would be. Just don't assume that. Just we're you know we you know middle schoolers, high school students, we're we're part of a larger family. We we want to learn. We want to help our students learn earlier. Life is far more intergenerational than simply what we get to do on Sunday night or Wednesday night with our music and our fun games and all that stuff. So uh, mm. I think that was something I knew in my own heart. I think, uh, goodness, what else? You know, uh, I, I wish when I was a youth pastor, I had asked more questions rather than assuming I had the answers. Mm. You know, that's another thing too. You just don't know what you don't know when you're youth director, youth pastor, et cetera. You know, we, 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 we have a highly intensive getting all the more complex world of student ministry, but, but it's really even more complex than we realize because these kids are going to be going up to college. They're going to be going into life and we want to prepare them to be mature, not simply to have their own way. And Mm. so attitudes, spirit, you know, speaking well, making sure that we are the ones if sometimes in the youth culture, there's complaining and whining about the whole church, you know, we got to be the ones that are the chief repenters and modeling, affirming and encouragement. Uh, and I think also dealing with conflicts. Uh, another thing, too, dealing with conflicts redemptively. If the youth pastor sees things, has concerns, to learn what it means to go in quiet and private and respect, to work on situations rather than um, not thinking and putting mouth in action when we're at a staff meeting or something like that. You know, there's just little <laughs> Jack Miller used to call it gospel manners, just learning mm-hmm. gospel manners, just just being more self-aware about uh, even, you know, if if, if, if if staff meetings a certain time and, and the senior pastor doesn't care what I wear, great. But if I go in, you know, insisting I get to wear my baseball cap with University of North Carolina on it uh, <laughs> or whatever my school of choice is and, and, and just think, hey, I'm the youth cast pastor, cut me slack. It's, it's not. <laughs> It's not, you know, um, youth pastor, hear me roar. It's how do we do things here? How, how do we, what, what does emotional intelligence look like? Self-awareness, how do we deport ourselves in a way not to keep people happy, but just says we're a part of something bigger than just the student ministry. Hmm. I think that could be really helpful. So, yeah, that's good. I, I like, I like that gospel manners. That, that's a good way to, yeah. to, to, to put that. 
Um, yeah. And so that, that's definitely a commonality of being younger and kind of thinking you have everything figured out and, you know, yes. ministry, but then also, you know, as we can shift gears talking about marriage, uh, that may be the case as well. Thinking, okay, I've got this marriage thing figured out as we, we first get into it. And then it doesn't take very long to, th- to, <laughs> to realize, okay, this, uh, this isn't as easy as I thought. All those vows that I just stood up, you know, in a congregation mm-hmm. and, and, and took those vows to this, uh, this uh, marriage union um, are more challenging uh, than, than I realized. And so Absolutely. kind of re- reflecting on some of those challenges, what have been some of those, some of the biggest challenges uh, on your mm-hmm. marriage while you've been serving in, in ministry? Oh, yeah. and, of, and of course, those that you feel comfortable sharing, not that you've got to share Absolutely. all no, the details. No, no, no. Well, certainly um, in student ministry, but really in any form of ministry, um, you know, will the tail wag the dog, i.e. we know that if you're in vocational ministry, uh, it it would not be difficult to be out five out of seven nights a week, you know, or or having no boundaries when when if we don't if I don't define appropriate boundaries for family, then they'll always be invaded by ministry claims. I think, let's just think about this in particular for student ministry. I think it's so good for whether the youth director is a female or a male and they are married to really have a regular practice of talking through, uh, hey, how are we with this rhythm of life right now? You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to assume for a minute, John, that we're talking about couples that both agree this is our calling in life. You know, not that husbands and wives equally participate in student ministry, but that there's got to be a place that will be a way of saying uh, we, we know that life is busy. We know that any vocation demands a lot, uh, but build in a regular review time. How are we? Where where has this season of um, real ministry busyness not been met with an equally uh, vigilant commitment to have a season of rest on the other side of it. Mm. So a lot of it is making sure husbands and wives learn to uh, give feedback lovingly, receive it non-defensively as it concerns their schedules, their planning. Because in ministry, there are busier seasons. Like you are, you, you know, you guys at RYM, your summers can be crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows what this upcoming summer's going to exactly. be like, right? There's exactly. a, there's a ju- the jury and the pandemic are out on some things <laughs> at this point. But we, you know, I think in ministry, if at least we can say as couples, all right, we here's the busy stretch, but let's now put on the calendar in a book what we can do even during that time that will make sure we connect. But also, let's plan fun and rest on the other side of this. Mm. So that's critical. I think a time frame review, et cetera. Those are key issues. Uh, I think um, making sure as well that um, couples that would say, uh, irrespective of even ministry demands, what are the ways that we are currently working on to conflict redemptively? You know, when life is good, when life is hard, when we're even out of youth ministry and the other some kind of calling, if we don't learn to conflict well, it's going to come back and bite us. So I think couples and very few couples that I know, including Darlene and I, entered into marriage really knowing how to you know, fight fair, how the gospel can reshape uh, a culture and a marriage where we can be honest to talk about our disappointments, our feelings, our longings, and not have those feelings judged, mm. but really know that um, the more we really can seek to cultivate a non-anxious spirit and give each other the freedom 
to lament, to, to appropriately express emotions and sadness, but to really to demonstrate. We have a culture here of pulling for each other uh, as opposed to just spinning plates and juggling and trying to, you know, keep one another happy. Um, I mean, those are a few things there. It's just, it's, it, and it's just some of the same stuff I would say to a couple, whether they're in vocational ministry or in law or in running a plumbing company, there's mm-hmm. just some things we've got to work at. Uh, first and foremost, to keep our own hearts connecting with the Lord, you know, uh, that happens more often than not of uh, uh, occupational liability vocational ministry is you assume you start equating doing things for the Lord with being with the Lord. And that just will catch up. And, mm. and, and the way I knew that in my own life would be when I got more defensive or my inner critic got up on its hobby horse, judging my world, my spouse, my anybody that, you know, did not understand poor little me, you know, mm-hmm. just, just be aware of what, critical attitudes we fall into or Mm -hmm. forms of medicating poorly. You know, if we are not, again, when we're married, uh, dealing with our pain appropriately, we'll find inappropriate ways to medicate. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a good word. And then there's so much, I mean, just so many implications from you saying just loving communication, honest communication, the freedom to just be known and to, to voice concerns and, and all of that. I mean, that, that's just, again, so many implications. I mean, one of those, as you you said, just kind of the freedom to be able to speak into each other's schedules. Um, if we're just doing too much and, and just to whoever is the one in ministry doing the ministry, um, if we get, um, if we, you know, push back on that or get too angry too quickly, just that kind of as a caution light that we should, should see of maybe ministry is, is starting to yeah. be to reference back, as you said, the, the tail wagging the dog a little bit. And so, yeah, just so much there uh, that you can uh, take from that. And, you know, as, well, as, get, go ahead, please. I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish your sentence before I forgot. When you get old, you better speak things quickly <laughs> or they go away. So I was going to say in this conversation, a part of what can be helpful is who for a couple, for an individual, for a couple, what are your models for ministry? Who are you looking at and would say they look healthy? Do we not agree? We would like to do ministry life and marriage the way they are. Uh, we, Darlene and I increasingly got to see Jack and Rosemarie live that way before us. So we had an idea of you can be absolutely committed to loving Jesus, serving Jesus, sacrificing for Jesus, uh, and doing it in a healthier way where neither one of you as husband or wife are resenting this. And when you do fall into resentment, repenting more quickly and finding each other's hearts. So choose models well. You know, uh, If you choose an unhealthy couple to be your ministry mentors, you're going to become sick if not sicker than they are. Hmm. So models, I think another thing too I say to every couple is this, to whom have you given the right to ask you the important questions about heart, life, and relationship? You know, for uh, for a ministry couple not to have somebody, either professional counselor for certain seasons or strong mentor, if they don't have anybody like that in their life, you know, I can pretty well predict they're going to be in some deep, deep uh, life messes before long because we are, you know, Jesus has never intended us to do this all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we say that to our kids. We want to build strong community among our kids, good friendships. But if we aren't having that for ourselves, you know, we are in the uh, isolation. Alienation is the 
probably one of the most effective strategies of the devil to absolutely have us for his lunch. Mm. Now that, that's again, such a good word just to, to have that mentor, have someone in our life. And, and again, mm-hmm. referencing your friend, Joe Novenson, I think he said, you, yeah. need, you need to find someone who's loved Jesus longer than you and give them a hunting license to come onto your property and to, <laughs> to, to ask great. any question. So no, that's, that's vital. And look, but before we leave this, uh, yeah. as we're, we're discussing marriage, I do, I do want to ask what, well, you know, what about those who are single in ministry? Yeah. Um, as I've done youth ministry, I've had staff that have been under me who have been mm-hmm. single. I, as I started out in college, I was single uh, doing youth ministry. And so mm-hmm. um, definitely don't want to neglect or overlook those who are single no. in, in ministry. What, what, what's some advice, again, for those yeah. who, are, who are doing ministry and are not yet married? Well, I, I say to singles and the married couples, the number one spouse we're always going to have is Jesus. So mm-hmm. we, no matter who we are, our, our single friends are not less married to Jesus than we are. So number one, we all want to live a lifestyle that would say, my heart increasingly is living with an awareness that the only spouse I'll have forever is Jesus, period. But then more specifically to the life context of a single, you know, make sure that you be aware of when you start plugging your umbilical cord into your ministry, Mm -hmm. thinking that ministry is my spouse or ministry is my identity. Ministry is my life. And, you know, so uh, individuals, even if they have roommates, if they're involved in vocational ministry, to make sure that healthy relationships are being cultivated at the same time of giving yourself increasingly. I mean, you know, the, I, personally, I think, John, scriptures, call, uh, scriptures uh, affirm singleness a lot more than we typically do in the evangelical church. I mean, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 went so far as to say, I wish more of you were like me. <laughs> you know, you know, you have less pain. It's less messy, less hassles, <laughs> you know. You know, it's just a short life. So I think we need to reaffirm the vocation of singleness, but also say with singleness come unique temptations and relational dynamics. Certainly, uh, I think uh, uh, with some male or female to be aware of the nature of the fact that God's made us for intimacy. So just having good boundaries, being self-aware of what it means to uh, have unhealthy attachment uh, pulls, or for some relationships to become utilitarian as opposed to uh, shaped by the gospel. Mm, that's that's good. And again, that goes back to, you know, your point of having a mentor in your life, having someone yes. uh, who can help you with that self-awareness yes. and can, you know, listen to you in the midst of those struggles. Uh, because again, mm-hmm. this wasn't a, a life that uh, was meant to be lived alone. You know, we, we are to be connected exactly. to the body of Christ. And yes. um, so that's a, that's a good word. Uh, Scotty, mm. look, we're, we're about to finish this up, but before mm-hmm. I go, I would love for you just to leave us with an encouragement uh, for those yeah. in, in ministry. Maybe it's a, yes. an encouragement that the Lord has often brought to your mind as you've been doing yeah. ministry, but just mm-hmm. an encouragement that you can leave to others for those who are doing ministry. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and back to one of the benefits of being older, um, it's, I want to say that anyone that's listening into this podcast at any time, uh, to really to take to heart what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I think it's the, at the end of chapter 15 when he says, your labors in the Lord are not in vain. And, and that, that we know that, and we have that verse on the refrigerators, we have it somewhere, but it's true. Because, you know, for me, I can look now at students that were in my youth groups who seemed to be absolutely Teflon coded against the gospel that love Jesus now, that 
that, you know, or I've, I've watched the Lord through seeds sown in different difficult seasons come and bring a fruit out of that that I could not have imagined. So number one, I want to say to everybody in the RYM family, thank you for what you do that, you know, uh, Reform Youth Ministry, each of those words matters greatly. It is ministry. It's a Lord's ministry. We plant, we water. He does cause growth. And I would say also to those involved in any kind of ministry, spend more time pondering heaven. Spend more time meditating upon our coming life in the new heaven and new earth. Because those who are our witnesses surrounding us, both in the intermediate state of heaven, but also who wrote scripture, it's almost like you start reading Paul and John the Apostle, and they're smelling the grass of the new earth. There's Mm -hmm. just something about, you know, coming alive to the fact that uh, we are already a part of the new creation order. And I think the more, John, we can, not as a way of escapism, but the more the way even Tom Wright says, let's learn to remember God's future into our present. So be a people of hope or, or you know, uh, to, to be involved, lastly, to be involved in the ministry of the gospel uh, absolutely guarantees a return be anything, beyond anything we can even imagine. So, and let's remind each other that gospel constantly. Let's pull for each other. We're not competing with the youth group down the road there, you know, the Lord, um, I mean, I, in, in ministry, I've been through seasons of where I thought if I could do anything other than ministry, I would <laughs> trade this whole thing in for Diet Coke. I've been through seasons of ministry where I think, who am I kidding? I can't take credit for any of this. It's too much fun and it's too good. So just, just stay present, stay in the gospel, and encourage your fellow servants in the gospel with a great hope that we share. Hmm. Scotty, that is so good. And once again, thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast today. I know many will be encouraged by it. So appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. Thank you, John. Appreciate you guys as well. God bless you. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without